right. Isn't the Lord good? All the time. Take your Bibles this morning. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Judges. Judges chapter number 2. Judges chapter number 2. I'm thankful for the choir being with us this morning. I know, I know it's difficult. It's 8.30 service. I'll be honest with you. I'm not no morning person. Some of y'all are, but I'm not. I still got boogers in my eyes at 8 o'clock. Say amen. It's rough. I, I know it is. It's difficult. But you have been willing to sacrifice and make adjustments so we could continue reaching people. Do you realize our building will only hold about a third of who we are? The only reason we're able to do that is because people care more about souls than they do about their own comfort. And I appreciate that. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I don't really like all the times what we have to do. Like, for instance, today, uh, I wish we could have one big service and, 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 and everybody get to see all the teens awarded and everybody get to see all the young people awarded, but it's just not possible. We just don't have the ability to do that. But listen, that, that is a good thing. That speaks highly of the church's attitude toward reaching people. Amen? And I want to I wanna be brief this morning if I can, but I want to I share with you just a thought that's on my heart. Uh, I really... I really understand. I've been doing a lot of study and a lot of uh, uh, research on the church in America. And I don't know if you know this or not. You, if, you, if you don't have the opportunity to, to travel around and, and see different churches and, and, and be in different churches, and, and I, I do. I have a, 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 the privilege to be able to do that sometimes. And, and, and what I am seeing is very scary. And what I am researching and studying is, is very scary because the church is getting older and smaller. They're getting grayer and grayer, smaller and smaller. The church in America is in trouble. It's in trouble. And as we read in Judges chapter number 2, I want to read just a few verses and I'll let you sit down here this morning. Judges 2 and verse number 7. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua... And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the board of his inheritance in Timnatheres in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaish. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and forsook the Lord God of their fathers. There arose a generation after them that knew not the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. And because of that, they forsook the Lord God. I want to read, it just holds you, your spot right there in Psalm 78. In verse number uh, 1, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not, now watch this, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come, the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done 
For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should rise and declare them to their children. Why? That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and keep his commandments. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your goodness today. Bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want, I want everybody to understand something today. Uh, this generation that we talk about, this generation, these young people that we see, uh, I'm, I'm a second-generation preacher. My dad was a pastor. I, I grew up in church all my life, and, and, I, and I basically, all church is all I've ever known. I mean, this is all I know. This is my life. This is what uh, I, I was born with and raised with. This is probably what I die with if Jesus doesn't return. And I've seen a lot of stuff in church, and one of the, one of the saddest things that I am seeing and I have seen, and I, I know that it's taking place, is the church is losing its next generation. We are losing the young people. The Bible said there arose a generation after them which knew not the Lord. You know, you ever, you ever, you ever played hide-and-go-seek? Anybody play hide-and-go-seek? You count, you know, you put your hands over your eyes or you go in the corner and hide. One, you've got to count to 100. One, two, 27, 48. You know, you, you go, and then that when you, 100. Now, what do you say? Do you realize whether we're ready or not, these young people are coming? It was the day before yesterday that I was holding Jordan in my arms. I mean, right in my hands. I remember walking out of that delivery room and holding her up for everybody to see. And last Sunday, I watched her walk across the stage and get her high school diploma. What in the world? What has taken place? Ready or not, here they come. Ready or not. They're coming. Ready or not, they're going to come into this world. Do they know the Lord? I'm not saying do they know of Him. I'm not, I'm not saying uh, are, are they familiar with some of His characteristics. What I'm saying, do they know the Lord? And Samuel, and Samuel, the Bible says that, that Samuel grew up in the temple. He was serving God. He was serving the Lord. He was working for Him. And this is what the Bible says. When the, when the Lord came and called Samuel's name, he jumped up and went to Eli. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And God called him again. He jumped up and went to Eli. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And listen, he called him again. And the third time, Eli said, it's the Lord. And this is what your King James Bible says, verbatim. It says, for Samuel did not yet know the Lord. How could that be possible? He was working for him. He was affiliated with him. He was serving God in the temple every day of his life. He grew up in the temple, but he didn't know him. There's a lot of people familiar with God. They know of God, but he didn't know him personally. And there arose a generation after them that knew not the Lord. What's the point? Let me give you three quick things that, that I want to share with you from my heart that I'm seeing, that I'm, I'm experiencing. Number one, I want you to see the reality that we face. The reality that we face. There is a dying generation. Whether I want to or not, I'm going to get old. And whether I want to or not, I'm going to die. Unless Jesus comes, I'm going to die. I don't like talking about that. 
I'm not going to put my name on the stone till that day comes. Say amen. You can do it. That's your business. I don't care. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But I'm not riding in one, and I'm not putting on a rock. Say amen till it's my day. Tammy put anything she wants, but not until then. Cause I'm, amen. It's just my, just my deal. Amen. Super. Whatever it is, that's, that's just that's my. I. But I do know one day I'm going to leave. One day I'm not going to be here to teach the Bible to my children. One day, I'm not going to be here. One day, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to grow old, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to go. The Bible says as long as Joshua lived, they served God. But when he died, when he died. Now, there's a whole message in this that I haven't got yet, and and I'm looking into right now. But Joshua said, it's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Now, that's great, and that sounded spiritual and all that, and I, I believe he meant it, but somewhere along the line, some... Somebody messed up because when he died, they quit. I heard somebody say one time that it, you, you can't judge your success as a parent by how your kids turn out. It's by how they raise their kids. Are y'all with me? What is the reality we face? We have a dying generation. Do you realize that 80%, 80% of all the offerings that come into the American church today is from 50 years old and up? Now, what's going to happen when that generation dies if we don't start training and teaching and and spending the time and focus in these younger generations? What's going to happen to the church? You say, well, what do you care about offerings for? It keeps the lights on. Where are they at? They're departing. We not only see a dying generation, we see a departing generation. The Bible says that Joshua and all those elders, they died. But then it says this, And there arose another generation who knew not the Lord, nor the things that he had done for Israel, and they forsook the Lord. They departed from the faith, if you will. Now let me me read you something. Let me read you something. Only 12%, how many? Only 12% of people under 18 are coming to church in America. Even worse... Only 10% of those people continue going to church when they're adults. 88% of America's more than 30 million teenagers are unchurched. Don't go to church anywhere. 88% of 30 million teenagers in America are unchurched. Of the 12% who do currently attend church, 80% of them will stop attending before they graduate from high school. Surveys show that 90% of people who give their lives to Christ do so before the age of 30. So that tells us if we don't reach them when they're here, we have a smaller chance of reaching them. But we're not. We're not. The church in America is in trouble. The church in America is just losing its young. Matter of fact, the, the, the young people that I grew up with, some are in hell, some are in jail. Some are, listen, are so far away from God, they don't even, they don't even care nothing about church or God. 77% of all the kids, now I'm not talking about kids out there, I'm talking about that grow up in here, that grow up in the church today, 77% by their first year in college are gone. They're gone. I was asked a question. I was asked a question. Well, why, why did y'all do this? Why did y'all do this award? Why didn't y'all do the awards at night? So it wouldn't have this big hassle. I said, well, there's several reasons. Number one, I want them to know they're important. Number two, we did it at night and nobody came. 
So I got you now. Are y'all with me? Why is this taking place, preacher? Why is this taking place? There's got to be a reason for all this. There is. There is. There's a, there's a real reason. This is the reason, number two. Do y'all see the reality? How many of y'all know I'm telling the truth right here? There is a reality we face. We're losing our kids. We're losing the young people. We're losing the next generation, the reality we face. Then number two, I want you to write this down. I want you to see the refusal. The refusal we find. The refusal we find. I go everywhere. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm in a lot of churches and a lot of places and, and, uh, and, and good people. I mean, good people. I, I, I love the people that I go and minister to and able to preach to, but, but there's something I'm seeing that's, that's it's, it's an epidemic. I'm telling you, it's an epidemic. It's everywhere. There's a refusal, number one, to admit. Nobody wants to admit that there's a problem. Nobody wants to admit that there, there is a situation that we need to deal with. If we just ignore it, maybe it'll go away. How many of y'all know that don't work? If we just act like it, if we just keep doing what we're doing, if we just, is it really that bad? Are you kidding? Not only is there a refusal to admit there's a problem, this is the worst one. There's a refusal to adjust. Say that word with me. Say it again. Say it again. Y'all notice I didn't use that cuss word? I didn't use that cuss word that, 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 that's so hated in the church today. Change. They say that there's only one person that likes change in the, in the church, and that's the baby in the nursery. And he don't like it real often, amen? Nobody likes to change. I don't like to change. I don't, I don't like eight. I swore. I swore people said, Preacher, y'all need to go to two services. Y'all running out of room and everything. Y'all I'm never going to two services. Don't ever tell God never. I said, I'm never going to be a preacher, too. Oh, he has a sense of humor. Amen. I'm never going to be a millionaire. Amen. I'm like, Maybe reverse psychology. You reckon that'll work? Never going. There's a lot of stuff that I, I said, man, I would never do. But listen, we have to do what we have to do to reach this next generation. They refuse to adjust. I, my, one of my favorite signs I've seen in my sister's kitchen. In my sister's kitchen, in the sign, it says, So this is not home sweet home. Adjust. Amen. Don't you love that? Listen, it may not be just exactly what you want, but adjust, baby, adjust. Amen. It's just, I, I, there's a lot of stuff I would like. I would love for us to have one big monstrosity of a building. We can just all come together and be one service. Wouldn't it be great to preach one service and just, just have, listen, that would be wonderful, but we can't. We have to adjust. we got to keep reaching people. we got to adjust. There's still lost people out there. We have to adjust. There are people that are different out there. We have to adjust. Greatest thing about our church, you don't know, you don't know whether they're from the Waffle House or the White House. You may have a suit on, you may have overalls on. It don't matter, but you feel just as welcome as the next person. You know why? We've learned to adjust. You don't have no Bible for that. Oh, but I do. I do, I do. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, this is Paul speaking, though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jew I became a Jew, and to the, uh, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without.
as without law, being not without law to God, but the law, uh, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. Now watch what he says. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. I'm going to try to do this without getting carnal and mean. Because I'm adorable. I really am. But there is some stuff that gets under my collar. People that will refuse to adjust a preference and want to drag God into it and say, Oh, yes, you're not right with God because... And have no Bible to back up their opinion. A gentleman came in the church Thursday. Thursday, older gentleman came in the church. And I'm glad it was Tammy and not me because she's sweet. She's a sweetheart. And, it, and I might have lost my cool, so that's why God didn't let me be in there. But this, this gentleman said, uh, I, you know, I goes to an established uh, uh, church in town. And, uh, and, uh, and, and he said, you know, it's, it's getting around that y'all don't have Sunday school. And Tammy said, well, let me, well, and also, I, I, I'm a volunteer up at the hospital, and it's been getting around up there. But y'all don't have Sunday school. And Tammy began to try to explain to this gentleman what, what we do here at Temple and how we do it. So what you're trying, and she kept interrupting her, and said, what you're trying to tell, y'all don't even have Sunday school. And she said, well, not in the traditional sense, like, you're, you're, well, well, okay, that's all I, and she kept on trying to talk, and he turned around and walked away. Rude. Number one, it ain't none of your business what we do at Temple. Number two, not one sinner has ever had a problem with anything we do at Temple. The only people that's ever had an issue is church people. And we're not after church people. Number three, show me in the Bible your preference. Well, it, this is what he said. This is what he said. It's just not real church without Sunday school on Sunday. Number one, I've got a new set of numbers. We don't have the room to fit everybody in rooms here at Temple. So we have to use the homes for adults because we don't have enough room here. Are y'all with me? Number two, we do all of our classes on Wednesday because we have three services on Sunday. There's no way to pack it in. I mean, uh, we're doing all we can do now to get everybody in here on Sunday. So we first we had it on Sunday Sunday evenings because uh, uh, we just tried it that way. Now we're, we're trying it on Wednesday. But it's the same thing. Two. If a young person comes into our church as a toddler and they go through our system and our program that we have set up here at Temple, by their senior year in high school, they have a complete working knowledge of the whole Bible. Number three. Listen. Tradition, I, I, I'm, I'm for tradition. I love tradition. I loved when, when I was growing up, we had old-fashioned day, and we all wear overalls. I miss that. 
That was just a great excuse to be able to wear overalls at church, amen? We'd have a barbecue afterwards and have an ice cream uh, 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 ice cream deal and play football out there, and we'd all end up getting crippled and going to the hospital before church that night. It was great, man. I mean, I love tradition, and there's nothing wrong with tradition, but there is something wrong with traditionalism, where you think if you don't follow tradition that you're not right with God. Do you realize that same attitude is what got Jesus killed Jesus came and changed everything. He changed the way they operated. He changed what they did. And the Pharisees didn't like it because it changed their... And this is what God said about their tradition. He said, you're making the word of God of none effect by your tradition. In other words, when tradition becomes more important than truth, what this gentleman didn't understand is what... I I really wish he would be here in the next two services to see all these awards and all these verses that all these kids have memorized and all the Bible they have studied and say, what do you think now? But he didn't want to hear that. Tammy tried to explain it to him, but he was not willing to hear. Here's the point. When a church fails and is unwilling to adjust to the culture, they're unwilling to adjust to the times They're going to grow old and die. Because this is what they're saying. I don't care about them out there. This is about me. Do what I want to do. Sing what I want to sing. Preach like I want to hear. And what it's all about me. Take care of me. Well, when that attitude creeps in, you might as well lock it down, honey, because it's over. It's over. What's the point? The church in America is dying because churches are not willing to adjust. Now, let me say this, too, for for, for all you conservatives in here, because I'm conservative to the bone. I don't believe in compromise. I don't believe in compromise whatsoever. I'm not going to compromise that word. Y'all have been here long enough. Y'all know I preach exactly what it says, exactly how it says it. And we'll always do that. But we're not going to get so caught up in preferences and, and, and tradition to the point that we fail to reach the next generation. Because guess what? Ready or not, here they come. Now, are we willing to adjust our preferences so them little people in these next two services can hear the gospel? Let me give you number three, and I, I'll quit because I'm, I'm, I'm already out of time. Let me, in Psalms 78, in Psalm 78, I read, I read a verse... We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Now watch this in Psalm 6, 6, 78, 6 and 7. That the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Number three, write this down. Number one, we saw a reality we're facing today. We saw, number two, a refusal that we find. Number three, I want you to write this down. There is a responsibility that we forget. There is a responsibility that we forget. We get so caught up in going and doing church. 
We get so caught up in coming to church and getting our church thing on and doing our church thing, getting that out of the way, and then going about our business the rest of the week. Like, hey, and then, and then we'll do it all again the next Sunday. But what does that verse say? That verse says that we are to make God real to our children. Well, let me, there's one verse that stands out in my mind. One verse that stands out in my mind. In verse number 4, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come, watch this, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Let me ask you a question. Uh, your kids may know what he did for Joshua. Your kids may know what he did for Moses. Your kids may know what he did for David in the valley with Goliath. But do your kids know what he's done for you? Are we making God real to our children? Are we making God personal to our children? Or are we in a routine? Do they ever see you worship? And I'm not saying you've got to be doing all this or this or whatever. That may not be your thing. That's fine. But do they see you worship and give God credit for something that he's done for you? My dad, when we was a little kid, some of y'all know this story, but I'm going to tell it again because it fits right here. When me and my little brother were kids, we had little old bitty things. And we'd go fishing out on the jetty. We'd live right on the beach, and we'd go fishing on the jetty, and there's pelicans. How many of y'all ever seen a pelican? How many of y'all know what a pelican is? How many of y'all ever seen a bird? It's a big bird that eats fish, all right? That's what a pelican is. Big old, I mean, he's got a wingspan, and, and, and they'll, they'll just fly over that water, and they'll see a fish down there, and they'll look like a dive bomber. I mean, just and hit that water, and catch that fish, and throw the fish up in the air, and swallow the fish. How many of y'all know I'm telling the truth? I've seen it in living color. I know what I'm talking about. We were sitting on that jetty. We was fishing. And my dad was sitting there, and he does this all the time with a bunch of different things. My dad went 12 years and quit in the ninth grade. Didn't have no education whatsoever. Went to Palmetto University, he says. Ask him where that's at, amen. Mate, don't ask him where that's at. Don't. Hardly knew how to read whatsoever. Couldn't even hardly read, and God called him to preach. He had to learn to read his Bible so that he could preach. But let me tell you how smart he was. He sat beside me and my brother. We got our fishing poles. And Dad said, them, them pelicans will thank God for that fish they catch. Me and my brother look at each other like, what? He said, yeah. He said, every time, every time they'll catch a fish, they'll waddle their little tail and thank God for that fish. See, they got a little tail back there like a little duck. And me and my brother, we looking. Really? Yeah, watch him. Well, we looking. Here come that pelican. And hit that water, kabloom, and caught that fish, and threw his old neck back, and that fish went up and went down his throat. And we were watching, and that little tail went. I looked at Joe, and Joe looked at me, and I said, Whoa. Water goes down the, the, the pelican's back, and he shakes it off. You know, I know that now. But you know what Dad was doing? He was making God real to us here. Well, I don't have no education. He didn't either. But he took every opportunity he could to make God real to us. It's not enough. It's not enough for them to know what he did for David and Joshua and all them guys. Your children need to know what's he done for you. What's he, what, what, what has he taken care of for you? What miracle has he done for you? And I can go on all day and tell you stuff that, that I saw God do for me. 
You know how a kid can go to church all his life and by the time he makes his choice and gets old enough where he can choose whether to go or not to go, he, he chooses not to because he, God never becomes real to him. He goes to church and he hears about it his whole life or her whole life. He hears about it and hears about it and hears, but it never becomes real. That's one of the reasons that when, when Kendrick and them came, when Kendrick and them came when they moved here from Tennessee, we had all the kids praying that they would find, Kendrick find a good job, got a job. And all the kids went, wow, yeah, man, God, yeah. We prayed that they'd find a house. They found a house. Yeah, man, what you? You know why? I want them to pray for something and God answer it so they can see God is real. Are you, are you showing his praises, his power, and his participation? Is, are, is God real in their lives? Because according to that chapter, we have a responsibility to make God real to them. Why? So one day they'll turn to God and not a bottle. They'll turn to God and not a needle. They'll turn to God and not a banker. They'll turn to God and not immorality. Are y'all with me? That they may set their hope in God because one day I'm going to die and one day you're going to die who are they going to depend on then are y'all with me let's keep our children let's be willing to understand that we, we need to adjust times ain't the same I told y'all before you know Brandy came in my, my room I had my Bible on my lap reading my Bible and she came in look at that the same thing on this little machine you know a little iPod pad what is it iPod iPod same thing but different listen we can adjust it don't have to be just like I like it one of the hardest things I've ever gotten in, in my head and brother McCormick listen our kids don't have to be just like us but we got to reach them Let's adjust because we have a responsibility to make God real to them. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we need your anointing today.